You're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Science fiction. It is more than just a genre appearing in literature, television, and film. For many, it is a way of life. Marauding space armies, robotic overlords, the documentation of characters' travels through space and time. Science fiction has something for everyone. Prepare to race into the unknown where the line between science fiction and science fact begins to blur. This is Galaxy Cast. And here are your hosts. Educator Bob Crisp, Uber Geek Gary Bowden, and Artist Extraordinaire Eric Maruschek. Hey Galaxy Cast fans, welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio. I have with me Eric the Artist. Game over, man. I have with me Gary the Stud. And I'll be me. And I am Bob Crispin, your host. Science Fiction News. So, we have to talk about, well, a rather sad subject to start off the podcast, but we want to get this out of the way because, well, it was a sad moment this past week. I was totally taken away. I think it was Sunday, correct? When we were, I believe so. That we heard news that Bill Paxton, at the age of 65? 61. 61. 61. Wow, he was even younger than Okay. Yep. 61 uh, passed away. And I was just, uh, that just shocked the heck out of me. It almost took the... You know, it, it kind of was like a slap across the face, you know, a moment yeah. where, where it took the, the wind right out of your sails. And you're like, wow. I mean, like, I did not expect to hear that Bill Paxton passed. Now, supposedly he was having surgery. And there were complications. And there were complications. And he died. Do we know what he was having surgery for? I they heard really at one point said. heart surgery, but I'm not sure. He oh, made, so it might have been a version of heart maybe surgery. Maybe he was getting something cleaned out. Maybe he was getting a stent. Maybe he was having a irregular heartbeat. Who knows? I mean, if it wasn't heart it's none of this, but that's what I heard, and that could be a lot. Of and my dad had heart conditions his whole life, so if there's one thing I've had a lot of experience with is someone being in and out of the hospital having heart dealings. Hey, my wife keeps telling me if you're going to make it for another 20 years for a marriage, you better do something about your heart there, honey. Yeah. So I totally get it. And uh, and I had heard that he had a stroke while during, during the operation. Yeah. So. And oh, is like that what happened? Blood he had a stroke and during the operation. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's tough to... But it was just, it was sad. It was sad because Bill Paxton's done so much. I mean, like, when you sit down and think about the breadth of this man's work, it's unbelievable. And he's been all over the map. I mean, that's the cool thing that I always loved about Bill Paxton. He's done sci-fi films. I mean, he did, Weird Science, I guess, would be more in the comedic category, right? Chet? Twister. I mean, like, that's the one I'll always remember Bill Paxton from, for me, is is Twister. Because I loved his role in Twister and... Um, I still love the whole discussion of the scene when he walked out mm-hmm. naked to the Twister and threw the <laughs> threw the bottle of Jack Daniels at the Twister and it sucked it right up and never let it hit the ground. And Did you uh, see the tribute the Storm Chasers gave him? No, yes. no, yes. they, they gave him a what tribute. What they did was, with their GPS devices being yeah. able to be pinged from a satellite, they spelled out the giant, in the Midwest, across a couple states, they, yeah. they positioned themselves so that when they were all pinged by the satellite, and you see it on a map where all their locations are located, they're a giant letter B and P that is across several states. Oh, it's gigantic. Wow. It looked like a, like, a, like a tornado. Yeah. 
That's awesome. It was it was really touching. It was yeah. It was it was uh, it took me back. And then like we've said, aliens. I mean, come on, his role in aliens is is yep. killer. I mean, as far as like you know, you want some of this? You want mm. some of this? You know, well, like, he goes from being a jerk to someone you root for by the end. Yeah, by the end an, of the movie, you're he's rooting just for a him. side character, right. and he has an arc, which is right. just amazing how much he put into that. But again, I think it, it just shows his ability to act and the things that he does, and he just. Uh, He'll be sadly missed mm-hmm. in the Hollywood studio realm. I don't think there is another Bill Paxton I can think of. There's there's nobody like him. Nope. And you had Very a good original. point, Gary, today. Yeah, he's the only actor to be killed by a Terminator, a Predator, and an alien. Yep. Yeah. And that's incredible when you think about that. That's, uh, yeah. And I, I think that just shows the breadth of the guy's acting abilities, the fact that he ended up in all three of those franchises. Um, and I don't think he was really pushy about that. Right. You know what I mean? He well, two of them, him. James Cameron. He was one of right. James Cameron's yeah, he favorites. Was, yeah, he was. He was even in True Lies and yeah. you know, for was, that little Oh, part. that's right. He was. So <laughs> he was the right. waiter who pretended to be a spy. <laughs> yeah, he was the car salesman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about and that And then uh, I saw a cartoon He's where they the had... He's the one they rip out of the trailer. <laughs> yeah, they, they rip the trailer in half and take it. Uh-huh. I he I saw a cartoon someone did online where it's the Predator, the Terminator, and the alien all at a grave, his grave, and the alien's pouring out of 40. <laughs> and it's just it was kind of nice that's pretty cool so we honor Bill Paxton and, and I hope you all do too and, and he was just an incredible actor and, and um, it'll yeah, be a sad be, loss between him and Carrie Fisher you know within just a couple months it's that's tough it's for the a, sci-fi big, world I think that's yeah, tough you know? it's a big loss so we wanted to talk about some non-Star Wars things and actually before we even talk about non-Star Wars things let's talk quick about what we are going to talk about tonight Beyond Bill Paxton, we're going to talk about the Alien Covenant trailer. We're going to talk about the latest drop of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 trailer. Then we're going to talk about the aftermath, Empire's End, and what it's hinting at. And then we're going to talk about the trademark of Star Wars Rivals, and what does that mean for us? Science Fiction News. So we just watched the Alien Covenant trailer. What do you guys think? Good trailer, bad trailer. Was that cool? Uh, do you have some stipulations about the trailer? I mean, like, what, what, you know, I know you guys haven't, have you seen Prometheus, Gary? I know no. Eric hasn't. I have. Uh, so maybe maybe that would change your viewpoint slightly, but does this make you want to go see an Aliens movie again, or, or is this maybe not so much? Well, he, it's clear in this trailer, if you haven't seen it and you're trying to avoid trailers, spo- <laughs> spoilers, we're going to talk about the trailer. Eh, well, it's all the, over there Facebook. There is it's hard not a to. xenomorph clear bright sunlight yep it's it's very clear that the aliens are back in a ridley scott movie right so this is very clearly an alien prequel landing firmly in the sci-fi horror genre and i don't know i was so excited about all the alien movies for a while you know, I saw one. I didn't see one when I was a kid. It terrified me. I remember. <laughs> I remember. I wasn't old enough. Let to me see go one. way back. I remember sitting in bed one day. We were watching all day the Jerry Lewis telethon. Oh jeez! And the trailer for Alien came on, and all it was was that egg. Yep, where the up. light would be coming right. out of it, and it had that music going. Quah, quah, yeah. And it was all weird. I ran from the room. I was terrified as a kid of that commercial. <laughs> so it took me years before I saw the movie. Saw the movie, loved it. Went and saw Aliens in the. Th- Two aliens in the theater snuck in by having friend people we didn't even know in line pretend to be me and two of my friends' parents. All three of us high school kids the same age who look nothing alike, and these are our parents. So we got in, we saw that in the theater. Saw Alien 3 in the theater, 
Actually, I am not one of the haters on Alien 3. I can enjoy it for what it is. David Fincher did a pretty cool, different take. I don't think it was take, awful, yeah. But it, if you read the stories behind that one, it was mm-hmm. tumultuous getting yeah. that made. Hated 4. The one with Renona Wider, Renona, Winona yeah, Ryder. I hated that it one, just, too. They tried to recapture Aliens, and yet it was just, it, to me, it was ridiculous and went way off the rails. Then I never saw Prometheus. So I'm one off from the series. But I've lost my thrill for alien movies. I think you should give Prometheus a shot, though, because it's not really... It's an alien movie, but it's not. And Which that's what actually heard. what I like about it, because it hints at the alien. Okay, so you've seen that. I Are have. you happy the alien's coming back? It's another alien movie now. Uh, no, I actually don't mind. And I'll tell you why, because in the trailer, and I, I, you guys, you have made the connection, because but the one ship they showed is the Prometheus ship. So I think what they're trying to tell us is the planet they landed on to terraform, because that's the implication here, is the planet the Prometheus landed on, which then is not the first planet that they encountered these. So we're talking it's later. Okay. It's a little later than I think people are thinking. And it it's a prequel, but not like they haven't met the aliens yet. They've already met them, but... But so you they're think they're going to decipher? You what think to they're going to recognize them. the species? They're going to know they're dealing with yeah. something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that might be what's <clears> throwing <throat> you guys off because in Prometheus, by the end, they were starting to figure out what this thing is. It, it, it I mean, it was odd because they knew, but they didn't know. You know what I mean? And there were data logs and stuff, and I'm wondering if that's what they're going to run across. Like they're going to okay. run across the data logs and all that. Not to spoil the movie, it really doesn't really spoil the movie per se. It's just, it's not as prequel as everybody likes to think it's like you know what i mean so it's somewhere between finding the first alien and realizing that they're so you more think dangerous this, than you think, we think this happens after the nostromo i almost and think Sigourney it does. Weaver, but before aliens yeah. and lv yeah and i know i know that's that ridley scott has never really said exactly where all this fits in but the implications from prometheus is yeah it, it they call it a prequel but it's not really i think it happens after the prometheus incident and i think it happens before aliens 2 comes along it'll be interesting to see okay. which i think it kind of wedges itself in between so the two. what you're saying is it's, it's not really a prequel it's it's like a, a side-by-side story with, with yes. the other ones yes that are maybe potentially happening concurrently right. yes that's what i'm saying yeah and i could totally see if later if ridley scott says yeah that was the envisioning you know like you're not gonna have one planet that would have these things on it you could potentially have multiple planets with this well, invasion. Of course, yeah these things look like they i lay eggs everywhere and I, I think it's possibly where he may go with this and say yeah, yeah. they are concurrent they're it, happening at the same time you if know? you watch predators versus aliens they're, they're already on earth already so. <laughs> well this is true I a mean, long like, time ago right, in the past right yeah that's true oh so, god i hate those predator versus <laughs> aliens movies here's the, here's the thing i didn't despise I, mean, I saw one in the theater didn't despise it. It was cheesy, but I got to admit, the first time they fought, I was like, okay, they did that scene really well. I liked some of the tricks about the fact that the whole place was, you know, they had a chained up alien that was living in the yeah. the, in the basement. And uh-huh. I love the predator ship that came in super silent and dug a tunnel in like half a second. And I thought they were neat things, but <clears throat> the whole human plot lines were kind of stupid and did it. I would have just, that almost would have been better if they just left the humans out of it. Yeah. To be honest with you, I thought it and might have actually made it better. But, but they're they're not brave enough to do that. No movie studio will make a Predator versus Aliens movie that has no dialogue, and which would be an incredible movie <laughs> to just be the oh, two species. Be. You'd get enough out of the Predators and associate with them enough that you'd know there's culture and stuff going on, well, but they won't do it. What, what I'd like to have seen with the Predator versus Aliens stuff was the little like flashback scene where they show the like the Incas, Incas, oh, yeah. Incas yeah. people and all that. that yeah. They, Fed the fed to the xenomorphs, right? Right. 
I'd like to see it go back to then and, and basically have the and fight. You can still do that with very limited dialogue. Right. You know what I mean? And have the fight between the Predators and Aliens. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then I saw Requiem. Requiem. That was that was the second Predator versus Alien movie. Oh, yeah. Where it, Is that the one they left in a – one of them they left in a, a cliffhanger. Well, it ends the, with, they, they with the, the Predator Alien. Yeah, the Predator Alien being born. I think that's – I think that's right? – oh, I, th- I thought the Predator Alien was at the end of the first one. First – no. No, I'm pretty sure it was in the Requiem. No, it was in the alien ship when they took Because I remember they fought the queen, which I thought was a great scene. The queen on the ice, running through like the shacks. It was kind of foggy. That scene was awesomely done, I got to admit. And maybe you're right. When when, when they brought the the body of the one warrior that got killed. Yeah. And they put him in the... Table, and then you see the shot with Earth in the distance. So that was one. Yeah. Okay. The chest chest broster comes out. The second one was like a bunch of... There was high school kids, and the town was being overrun, and like Washington State. And I just remember being like, oh, that was bad. But It it made made no sense. Like, how how did they get there? Yeah. I'm still upset about the the Predator alien. Like, we didn't explore that anymore. Like, I liked that idea. The Predalien? Yeah, the Predalien, (laughs) whatever you want to call it. But we never explored it. We we stopped there. And you had this amazing... Moment and this that is, could have turned into something cool. And this is why, bringing it back around, mm. I have trouble with another Alien movie. <laughs> he wants it to go back to horror. He wants you to be scared of these things. And yet we've seen all the rubber suit fighting Predator. Right. And it's it's hard. Once you have Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and the Mummy, it's hard to make <laughs> a Frankenstein and Mummy scary again right. two years, five years, eight years later. Right, right. You, need, a, you yep. need like 20 years until film kind of comes around again to do it. So it's, to me, I have trouble with it because now the alien is just so recognizable and known. Yeah, he's a good director. Maybe he can do it, but it just, I think it doesn't sit well with me. I think the other thing too that, that maybe bothered you a little bit, and this is the one thing that bothered me about seeing that trailer, the aliens out in broad daylight. I mean, that was the one thing that we always enjoyed about the alien and aliens movie is they were always kind of in shadow. You never really fully saw an alien 100% until like three and four. And you finally started getting full glimpses. Well, two, I guess you did because you did the queen. You got to see well, but I remember the best shot you got of an alien in aliens, James Cameron's movie with Bill Paxton. Right. Was when Newt was in the water and it rises up behind her. You get about a one and a half second shot of it really well. Right. Really. Yep. Other than that, you, when, when you, he looked above the ceiling, you saw their heads really cool. But other than that, they moved quickly. We're always kind of dark. We're always kind of filmed shutterly. Right. Or, or you were looking through a camera through one of the Marines or something like that. And you just saw glimpses. No, I disagree with you because that's what I want to see is what the alien actually looks like and everything. You want to see the full alien and see what it looks like. Okay, I mean, and it's, it is a cool scene. I'll give yeah. you the shot is nice. Yeah, if it head banging the window is kind of cool. Yeah, but it, it also, I think it's CGI, and it felt yeah, it to me, like it. it didn't feel like it was hitting the window. I didn't yeah. feel the the, I didn't feel the impact behind it. Here's the one interesting <laughs> thing I th- I thought was interesting that they're saying is going to happen in this movie. Not only are they going to have aliens, not only are they going to have like the the original. You know, gut buster, you know, what are those things called? The chest burster. Face Face huggers to the chest Chest bursters. But they're actually, they've guaranteed in this one, they're going to show adolescent aliens. Like ones that have not fully grown. I think we saw it in the trailer. And I'm pretty sure that's what the the yellowish white one is. In a field. Which I'm I'm like, that actually might be cool to see. Because we always see the the chest buster and we always see the full grown alien adult. Mm -hmm. But we never see like the on the way to becoming an adult. Like, what do they look like from one to the other, you know? And it would be kind of cool to, to, to check that out, you know? I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe that's one of the ones we could review sometime. Yeah, I mean, I'll see Prometheus, and then I'll probably see this. 
but I don't have the level of excitement I, I, used, I used to for Alien. Yeah. I just I don't know if you can ever un- redo. I shouldn't say undo. Redo Aliens Two for me. I mean, no. it's just unless you decide to bring the Marine. I mean, to me, the Marines sold that that whole oh, movie. Yeah. You would almost need to do something like that style again to get me to totally hop into an Aliens movie. It was also Cameron's quote yeah. unquote realism. Yeah, his approach to it to mm-hmm. like. The way he, he he made you like the characters in the first like thirty minutes of the movie, right. with the humor and yep. seeing the work, the way they do it, and and getting the sense that you were part of this crew, and then wiping them out on you, and you know gut punching you there, and then yeah. pulling you into the, the more horror of the second half. And I even trapped. I even liked the fact that you had Burke and kind of some yeah. snakes in the grass behind the scenes that were kind of screwing around with everybody, and I yeah. think that was kind of enjoyable actually. But now it just looks like oh here comes a disposable crew, everyone's going <laughs> to die, they land on another planet, well, aliens think, attack. I think they're going back to the original the original alien. You know, like that that feel, but yeah. I don't think they need to do that. I, I think that's been done. Now yeah. it does seem interesting to me. There's one line in the whole, or two lines in the whole trailer that imply something much bigger. A, uh, I think so. Yeah, and it's the whole. There's no noise. There's right. no animals. There's no nothing. What's going on on this planet that it's like lifeless? The aliens wouldn't kill off everything. I took so it more I'm, as like when creatures sense there's danger around, they don't. Yeah, it goes right? silent. So that's kind of what I implied it as. Like, they, the aliens were maybe so dangerous that all the other animals decided, yeah, we're... Like, they we're, move away from that right, area entirely. Right, exactly. And maybe that's what it is. But it's I a creepy it's, moment. It is kind of a creepy moment, yeah. Well, what it is is the, the animals are sensing the predator that's invisible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's watching. That's maybe that's the magic ending. <laughs> Science Fiction News. Okay, so that was our thoughts on the Alien trailer. We uh, we then watched a trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. This is now the third trailer for probably Guardians the, of the probably Galaxy. Probably the last one. I'm, I'm imagining probably the last one before the actual movie comes out. What, what were you guys thinking about this trailer? I mean, this one definitely had a lot more going on. And I mean, as far as our looking at trailers, does it... And Gary, I know you're not excited to see Guardians. Does this at least pique your interest a little bit? No. I, I, like I said when we were coming to the record, I saw it, but... It really hasn't done nothing for me to, to go watch it. Now, you enjoyed the first Guardians movie, yes, correct? Yes, I did. What sold you on that movie? Probably the soundtrack. I was, I was about to say, I think the music <laughs> sold you, right? Right. So do you think if the soundtrack's relatively like the last one, you're going to get sold on this one? Yeah, it would be like me spending uh, $10 to watch a, a concert. Like, <laughs> you know, that's all it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, like, I, I, I worked out to that soundtrack for you know, months I, after but, that fact. But here's but. the problem with it. I can't listen to that one song no more. Which one? Hooked on a Feeling? Yeah. Oh. That one and the uh, one he's singing at the end there trying to get the dance off of it. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Those two songs are overplayed now. Oh, I agree with you. Actually, all of them in that soundtrack got overplayed, I think. Just the those Pina two Colada th- song, I thought, it got overplayed well, that, quite that, a bit, that, too. That was, that was overplayed way before. Right, well, it was, but it was, it was even more so when Guardians came out. But I heard the soundtrack is supposed to be incredible again. Like yeah. it's going to be a throwback to our era again, which is okay. But you know, I, I, I guess I wonder sometimes if we're relying too much on the tape player and the soundtrack to well, this, put okay. everything into place. Yeah, there but. is something this one has going for it, and they've been saying over and over again. James Gunn keeps saying eh, it doesn't really tie in with the rest of the Marvel movies. We get to do our own thing, oh, blah blah blah. Though. But here's the here's the thing: they've already started filming Infinity War, right? And more than half of this cast has already been on set for it. So it's clear it connects. Well, the, the one uh, video we watched last week with Daisy Ridley in it. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Pye says, I'm an adventure movie. Yeah. 
He admits to it. But now they, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've, they've been others. Mantis yeah. has apparently has been yeah. there. I think uh, yes. Bat- Batista has been there. Yeah. I th- maybe even Gamora. I don't know. And obviously, you know, Rocket's easy to do because they're going to be, uh, Rocket and Groot are going to be digital. So they're going to be. Right. So they don't need most, to be on Most set or all to... the cast. Oh, uh, even uh, Yandu. Right. Yandu has apparently been seen on the well, casting call. I'm getting the impression from all the trailers we've seen that by the end of this movie, Yandu is going to become a member of the Guardians oh, yeah. of the Galaxy. It I mean, it's pretty like obvious that. that that's where they're well, going. Well, you found a member. Well, he was, yeah. Initially, he was in the comic books I'm mm-hmm. talking about. So if you haven't read the comics, go check it out. Yandu so was a member. I do like the humor, again. Um I do. It's kind of they do harp on. Oh, we're going to save the galaxy a second time. So I'm right. wondering what the big bad is in this one because there were such cool things in the first one with uh, Ronan the Accuser, with the Celestial Head, the the floating in space. I can't yep. remember what it was called. Uh, what was nowhere? The name? Nowhere. nowhere. Spelled yep. N K N O W. There was there was a lot of cool things that were. There were major Marvel cameos in that movie. The oh, Celestials yeah. were shown in. In even a flashback. Even Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. I mean, all sorts <laughs> Cosmo. of stuff. Cosmo. Cosmo yep. The Collector, who is yep. apparently in both Thor and I think the Collector is supposed to appear He's in Infinite War. Yep. So, um, you know, they tie in without directly tying in. It's yep. like, oh, we get to show all these Marvel references. I mean, I remember thinking that movie had more Marvel references than most of the other Marvel movies. They were just all cosmic ones which none of the others could really touch on. So they're going to do that more, I think, in this one and I'm really fascinated to see that. I do admit, though, that little moments like when Baby Groot's waving to Gamora right in the middle of a fight, and she's like, "Hi," and goes back to fighting. I thought yeah, that was really like cute, a nice yeah. moment. So it's like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it goes really well. I well, I think there is a direct tie, and I'm going to say this, and it's not going to ruin anything for you guys. What's the one stone we're missing? There's actually two stones we're missing. Yeah, there's two that haven't been called up yet. Uh, is it the mind? No, the mind stone is Vision. Right. I don't know. I remember I've seen a video on it, and they've announced the two, but I can't remember which. They We're are. missing the space stone. Okay. Time stone. The time stone. Excuse me. Yeah. We had it, but we lost it. Do you remember where that was? No. Go ahead. The tesseract. Was the time stone? No. The tesseract. Oh yeah, yeah. And but that where did fell, it go? It went into the ocean. No. I thought they recovered that. No. And then Loki got it. No. Loki had it in Avengers, and then at the end, different. It got stuff. shot into. Sp- Different stone. It got shot into space when Red Skull grabbed it, and no. it imploded and took him with it. Well, I remember that happening. Yeah, I believe this is the first Avengers movie when Captain America gets revived. There, but Tony Stark went and got it out of the ocean. I do think there's a moment of that being recovered, but I don't think that's the Time Stone that, that, that it, they're it, getting. It was a Tesseract. That's what. That's what. That's why Are Loki. Because sure? Loki's yeah. first thing to do is to grab the Tesseract. But yeah. here's when my, he comes in. Here's the my thing. Be, be, I, because Cap, Captain America told uh, Nick Fury, <laughs> you should have left it there. Here's what I think is going to happen, though, and I, I, I'm I'm convinced of this. Maybe it's not the Time Stone, but what somewhere along, I think Red Skull is going to appear. Oh yeah, I think so. In Guardians of the Galaxy in space, and I believe that that is going to be a moment that's going to start changing, altering everything else that happens after it. Because we've all assumed Hydra's dead, because as of Winter Soldier, it appears Hydra's gone, <laughs> right? I don't think Hydra's dead. I don't think. I don't think. The Red Skull's as far gone as everybody has assumed the Red Skull is. No, because I, I assumed during the uh, Civil War that Hydra is still... You get the impression it's still around. Yeah, well, it, it that was... And let's face it... That's what Ward, as that... was The, the guy with Ward, when Ward mm-hmm. became the creature there, I can't remember his yep. name, uh, they were trying to rebuild Hydra. Correct. 
<clears throat> but then they got supposedly beaten. I, I know you haven't watched that part yet, but they got supposedly oh. beaten. Um, Hive was his name. Yeah, he was, Hive. He was Hive. And, and that's where I'm saying, like, you've got Zemo from the last movie. You've got potentially out there somewhere a potential Red Skull, which I think he's going to show up. I think he will. I think the ability to bring Hydra all back together, even with Hive, even with Zemo, all could potentially happen again. And and there's hints of it in places. There's little things here and there that the hint at it. All I know is, and we're supposed to be talking Guardians of the Galaxy. We're I know, talk, but we're it, talking all, it all comes back. Yeah, that's okay. <clears throat> I'm nervous for the Avengers Infinity War because it's so big. It's going to be the most expensive movie ever made. They've already said it's gonna that. It's going to be intense. They've already said the budget's going to probably be around $500 million. <laughs> Crazy. The cast is gigantic. Yep. And this is not including the fact that I'm wondering if some of the TV and Netflix stuff will cross over. Oh, I think so. It's going to be huge. And is it going to become... I, I, I have faith in the Russo brothers. They handled a lot of characters with Civil uh, War really well. Yep. But I'm nervous. Yeah. Could this finally be when Marvel overstretches its bounds and makes something that becomes too disconnected and too... I actually think we're going to go the other direction on it. I, I'm This is where I'm faithful in what's going to happen here. I think it's going to create such a high bar, no one is going to be able to meet it ever, ever, ever again. I think First off, I think it's going to crush DC. This yeah. will be the beginning of the end of DC and movies ever. Well, because I think it'll be <clears> the moment Batman where Batman vs Superman was already well on its way. Well, yeah. Well, I agree <laughs> with opinion. you. I, yeah, I agree with you there. But I'm saying this is going to be so astronomically big that yeah. it's just going to be like, don't even bother yeah. trying to touch them because they can't. They can't even come close. And and I I really truly believe between Infinity War one and two, we're going to see probably just an incredible. Well, it's no longer Infinity War two. Well, whatever that's the other thing. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is. There's uh, some I, I sort of surprise there. I think it's going to be pretty incredible. I really do. Well, I mean, you, and this is why I'm excited for Guardians of the Galaxy. I do believe this is going to be a kickoff point for the next round to kind of be yep. bringing all that in. Oh, I know yeah, we I got do. we got Doctor Str- or we got Thor later yep. this year, yep. and this what's this summer? I'm forgetting one. Miss Marvel, I know is coming, but I, I know we've got Thor. What's I thought the one this I'm summer was Thor, and then Miss Marvel was in the I think, fall. No, Thor, I think is November. Okay. Are we missing one? I think it's Guardians and Thor. That's what I thought so, too. I thought there was one in between. No, I don't think so. We got our in-between, which was Doctor Strange. We got Doctor Strange, then Guardians and Thor. we'll have to check. So I'm pretty sure that's the case. So, But, I mean, either way, it's, it's, yeah, it's building up to that. I mean, right. I'm fearful that it's going to be Spider-Man 3. That's what we've got this summer. We've got Homecoming. Oh, that's right. Spider-Man, That's the one I'm forgetting. Well, oh, you're fearful of Spider-Man Three? Is that no? I'm, I'm I'm thinking this is going to be the Spider-Man Three. Avengers will be overloaded, oh. and they won't be yeah. able to handle it. Oh, I get what you're saying. I mean, okay. there's going to be so many people on the screen, you don't know who to watch. But here's the th- here's so. the thing they have the benefit for. I don't think there, other than Thanos, who we'll finally see. There's no character introductions happening like they had right. to do with Spider-Man. They, can they had focus to, purely. They had on to do origins for everybody right. in Spider-Man Three practically. Right. And it was it, what we don't have to any of these characters. They're all established. It's just they well, can come in and do their thing, and you don't have to go who's that or where's he from. You know them all. The problem. It's true. The problem I saw with Spider-Man Three is they should have just kept it the one villain. Yeah, it would have been nicer. I th- Venom was a was a shoe in. They they shoehorned him in. He was so quick and unexplained and yeah, uh, no. especially yeah. No, they they could should they should have just kept with the Sandman, mm-hmm. and then then maybe at the, you know. He gets the black suit and he uses the black suit to, to defeat the Sandman, and then don't make Venom happen that right, movie. Yeah, right. But they yep. rushed it. Yep. And it's what, and that's why I think DC's failing because they're rushing it. But everyone's I, playing catch up. But that's where I have faith. I, I they have hinted at a million times over. 
Thanos is the big baddie. There's I don't think you're gonna have anybody else. No, I think no, it's gonna no, be no, Thanos. No. Okay, you know? yeah, and that's, Thanos going to be the bad guy, right? That's the only person you're gonna. That I'll be probably watching because there's gonna be too many heroes on the screen. Oh, oh I get what you're saying. <laughs> you're talking about the other side having yeah. too many. And that's the weird thing. I don't. I think you can have too many villains. I'm not sure if you can have too many here. I guess that's gonna be the test, isn't yeah. it? Can you have too many heroes? So I want to ask you guys before we move on to our next thing. A quick question. Have you heard about the stipulation that Logan, the guy who's playing Wolverine... Yep. Uh, yes, I Hugh have Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. The stipulation Hugh Jackman has put on if he's going to do Wolverine again. What's the stipulation? I haven't know? read the article, but I've seen the he, title. He, 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 he will stay as Wolverine as long as Wolverine joins the Avengers. Oh, I heard about that. Yes. 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 I love it. Yeah. I hope he wants it. I really hope to goodness creation that he wants, Sony he wants to fight Captain America. Yes. He wants the big cu- he wants blade well, scraping the shield. I also think he wants that Hulk Wolverine moment too. And he wants that, that too. everybody he loves to see, you know? I mean, well, here, and here, that would be awesome. Here, here's the thing. He has history with the Black Panther. Yep. Hulk. Hulk, yeah. Captain America. Even the Black Widow. That's true. He does have history with Black Widow, yeah. So there's quite a bit of history they could work with, and, and what, the, the one the one thing I want to see is the iconic uh, cover. Yeah, the yellow and and no, no, the Wolverine, Captain America, and Black Widow. the shield. Oh, on top of the rooftop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be cool. I would love to see that. And the question, I guess, the only real question is, would Sony let it happen? Well, it's hard to merge those universes now. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so because I don't think so. When you see the trailer, it's Marvel Studios was the main for Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if that's why they know. reset the timeline with it. I think so because it would be really easy for them to throw Wolverine in then, and they yeah. could use that. Which, by the way, timeline. I have friends who've seen Logan, and they're saying it's spectacular. I'm, I'm hearing it's nothing but good things about him. Yeah. Star Wars news. Okay, so let's move on to our next topic, which I loathe to move on and talk about, but we're going to talk about it. Eric posted this on my Facebook page, and I, I I, didn't read more than five minutes into it, and I was like, oh, Eric, oh, you rat bastard. Uh, okay, so Aftermath, Empire's End, uh, is talking about the future of the Star Wars franchise. I believe it's the, no last, <laughs> it's the last of the trilogy of the Aftermath books that, right. that bridge the gap between Return Gary's of the Jedi la- I know my and... Force Awakens. For my video people out there, this is why Gary's laughing. Go ahead, laugh. <laughs> there we go. There's the evil <laughs> laugh we need. So here's the hint they give at. Well, there's a couple things. We're for my non-video people out there, they they hint at the idea that shatter points are back in canon. They're gonna yes. become canon again. <laughs> Thank you, whoever the heck decided that'd be a great. I'm telling you, somebody somewhere says we got to play with the host of the Galaxy Cast and yep. bring Shatter Points back. <laughs> and w- w- you know, Filoni over there had to make this one happen. Um, well, and and what they're saying is, is in the book, Palpatine quotes the idea that there's uncertainty about the future and that he can sense weakness and then he literally says I sense a shatter point he's talking about a shatter point in time yes that could break the future but just because he said the word shatter point everybody went that's it they're back in canon I went wait a minute (laughs) hold on I'm not convinced shatter points are suddenly back so I don't know if we can find to those of our fans to those of our listeners who don't know what shatter points are explain really quickly it's supposedly a point which you can find weakness in either something else or some place else. And so, who is a master of it? 
Well, Mace Windu was a master of Shatterpoint. Supposedly he could find the weakness in Mando's armor, hit the the armor in the right spot, and it would shatter the Beskar Gam, the Mandalorian armor, which okay. was supposed to be impenetrable by lightsabers. There we go, okay. So that's my big beef about Shatterpoint. You know, and, and so that's why I'm saying I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that, based on that quote... That they're bringing an actual right. shatter point back. Is in. it just a little allusion to right. something from the past that he well, used the term? When I, when I read this thing, they're saying that uh, Palpatine could see this the shatter points like Mace Windu could. Correct. And that uh, uh, Palpatine's shatter point was Anakin. Right. Yes, I remember them saying that. In the All I know is if if Snoke utters the word shatter point. Oh, I'm done. In episode eight, you're getting I, up and walking out. Oh my out. gosh, I am so, <laughs> I am so done with Star Wars. I, so then, okay, so let's talk about the second point. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, Gary, go ahead. You wanted to say something else. Well, you're, you're going to get up and do your Sam Jackson impersonation. Get these. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Point exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the second point, the legacy of Boba Fett. So there is the hint that Boba Fett. Did survive Return of the Jedi, which we all know. I don't know why that was such a like. A well, it's canon in what's been non-canon, right? So, so now people are wondering in this new canon, is he still considered he, alive? Well, and Disney has said that as far as they were concerned, he's alive. They've actually hinted at it. Well, now apparently in this particular book, we we definitely see that somebody's looking for yeah. The armor. Yeah, to quote, the, to quote the article, it says, In Aftermath, we learned that Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor survived the Sarlacc pit unscathed, a revelation that left fans fascinated. The sequel, Life Debt, finally explained how this occurred. The destruction of the sail barge just killed the Sarlacc when it died. The scavengers flocked and they got the armor. It says, in the Meanwhile, in the trilogy, that be, they began developing a small subplot about Tatooine, revealing that the chaos after Jabba's death and the Empire defeated Endor had given criminal gangs and slavers a chance to take over the planet. The Mandalorian armor was sought out by a mysterious, self-appointed lawman, lawman Cobb Vanth. In Empire's End, we see his campaign come to a successful close with the criminals and slavers defeated. So what they're saying is, who is Cobb Vanth? And there's much people considering... Uh, that Cobb Vanth is Boba Fett. I'm on, so here's where I'm wondering if we could merge two storylines. I'm wondering if Cobb Vanth is the character that we talked about in the last episode that potentially Benicio del Toro is going to play. Right, Sir, Sir whatever. Vulcrum, right, Fulcrum, Fulcrum Fett. Not Fulcrum, but it was right. Vulcrum Fett. Vulcrum Fett. So what if he finds the Mandalorian armor, puts it on, becomes Sir Vulcrum Fett... And Cobb Vanth is the new Fett. Right. And takes but it's on not, the Boba Fett. It's never been Boba Fett, is what you're right. saying. It's just That's another, person, just who another becomes person who a new becomes Fett. a new Fett just by grabbing the armor and putting it on. The problem is that that's not something that your majority of your fans are going to like. They're going to say, look, either go for it or don't bring Boba Fett back at all. <laughs> Ignore his armor. They're going to say, don't do a weird mix. On the flip of side, when is Disney, Disney ever worried about whatever the fans think? True. You know what I mean? But they're doing a good job of they being are, true to the story yes. to the storylines. Yes. I mean, they are, they are. I mean, we've said it with Rebels. They are really focusing in on everything with with the details, with Thrawn, with the stories of the Mandalorians, sure. with bringing back the dark saber. With they're like they're they're like here's all these details from canon that. That we're bringing that back we're bringing slowly. back slowly and saying they're real. Yep. And then with episode eight, how much of that are we going to get? Yep. And then the last one was the re- return of Lando Calrissian. Lando shows up in this book for the first time. Yes. Since the all the other books have been out and all those other things, 
And there are rumors that Billy D is set to play Lando on The Last Jedi. Yes. So I kind of like that idea. I actually like the idea of us bringing back not only Lando, which I like Lando to begin with, but Billy D playing the role of Lando. Again, the time would have gone by enough that Billy D kind of looks the part. You know, oh, he and would totally fit. Yeah, totally would fit in. And I, I think it's kind of cool actually the idea that we could bring back Lando and Billy D as that role. Yeah, it, it would be kind of cool to and see. And everyone said it from the day one of filming when they did that famous cast reading circle shot. Yep. where they had everybody sitting there, the first thing everyone said is, where's Billy D? Is he not in yeah, Force why, Awakens? Yeah, why he wasn't, wasn't he there? And a lot of people questioned why he wasn't there. And, and yeah, I, I agree with you. So I'm kind of I'm excited about Billy D potentially coming back as Lando Calrissian. It would be kind of cool to see him in The Last Jedi. I just hope they don't, you know, let, let's keep it Billy D. You know, let's keep him the suave, sophisticated guy he is. Let's not try to change that up at all. By the way, did you see the last part here? No, what's that? On top of these three revelations, the book also reintroduces Lampa Waru, Chewbacca's son. Oh, great. <laughs> that means the Christmas special is canon. Oh, no. <laughs> it was already because it was, uh, well, yeah, it was. It was on TV. Right, because they said anything on TV was yep. deemed canon. Which means the Ewok movies are, too. Lampa Waru. So Lumpy, is that what we're saying? Yep. Good night. Couldn't we come up with a better name? I mean, seriously. Anyway, so they also hint that there's some disturbing truth or hints about the disturbing troops behind Snoke's identity. I'll believe that when I see it. I can't believe they would reveal that in a book. They may. It'd be kind of stupid. They may. But, you know, so interesting. But here we are again. We've talked about it. The books playing such a major role. The comic books playing such a major role in Star Wars. Is it really fair to the fans to do that to them? You know what I mean? Like, I... Do you have to be a bookworm just to keep up with Star Wars? I, I said I, this two years ago. I know you When did. I started here, and you guys were like, oh, don't be the grumpy old man. Yeah. I said, if all this extra media comes out, and these are the things you've got to follow in nine different places, the TV show cartoon and the books and a comic and a video game and whatever, it's going to alienate us people if important needed information is revealed in only one of those areas. They really need to have their story group together to cross-pollinate so that you get what you need if you don't follow everything. Right. And, and I agreed with you, because I, I shouldn't have to read a book to know what's going on in the yeah. movie. Yeah, to know who, who Supreme Leader Snoke ultimately is. Right. I swear, if they do it in a book, they're uh, dumb. Um, they're, they're losing... And that's the other thing, too. To me, you lose visuals when you do stuff like that. You could have had a visual showing what Snoke is, or whatever it is that would have come out of a movie, mm-hmm. and the potential potentiality of that all. Star Wars News. Okay, the last one that we are going to talk about tonight, it's, well, this is this is an interesting one. Lucasfilm has officially trademarked Star, Star Wars Rivals. Um, it was With a semicolon. Released. Yeah, Star Wars Not like Star Wars Rivals. Rebels, which is no colon. This has a colon in it, and I think right. that's important. So, you know, there's a lot of speculation about what this is. Of course, immediately everybody jumped to, well, this must be... A new Star Wars TV show. You know, we must we must be missing the new Star Wars TV show, and this is it. Rivals is the TV show, and it's been registered as a, a word mark. I guess is the best way to put it. I'm not convinced it's a TV show. I'm not either. There's a couple things that tell me that. First off, the idea, you know, Rivals as an idea, it just it doesn't sound like a good title for a show. And if you just had Star Wars Rebels out, would you really come out with the next show being Star Wars Rivals? 
I mean, aren't they already still too similar to each other? I mean, for me, the two words would be too similar. Unless they're using that as a carryover. Maybe. Rebels becomes rivals. Maybe. I, I'll get what you're saying. Okay. And who would be the rivals? The Empire. I guess the no. Empire and the Rebels? No. Mandalorians. No. Me. <laughs> Ezra and Kanan. Oh, okay. I guess I never thought of it that way. It just seems very broad. Okay. Uh, and it says that the, the actual trademark, uh, it's, it's very broad. It includes audio and visual recordings. Okay, a lot of people I, I, I assume that that's an animated series. I, I've saw them, I, when they said audio and video, I assumed video games. Like I, you know, when you, it do, and it covers electronic right. game software, downloadable publications. I mean, they covered the computer program software. Yeah, I mean, it, there's <clears throat> eyeglasses, sunglasses, accessories. <laughs> wow. Okay. I mean, it's binocul really binoculars. Just in case you need those binoculars. Graduated yeah. rulers. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah, it kind of covers everything. Helmets. There you go. Flotation devices. There we go. Snorkels. So. My, oh. I need my Star, Star Wars rivals, rivals <laughs> snorkel. I can't say that. And swimming mess. <laughs> Only if it's if it's uh, uh, Supreme Leader. Snorkel. 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 This is interesting. Protest of face masks, but not for medical purposes. So if they're for medical oh, purposes. Oh, not for snorkel swimming goggles. And oh, yeah. Like not for medical purposes. Snorkel swimming goggles or swimming masks. Oh, I don't get my Supreme uh, Leader snorkel. Yeah, you don't. I can't have my Snoke snorkel. So we'd love to hear what you have to say about this. What do you think Star Wars Rivals is? Do you agree with us? Uh, it sounds like most of us think it's a video, a game. video game. We'd love to hear what you have to say. I, I think it's going to be a video game like uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, or the right the Terrasai or whatever. Terrasai, I think. Terrasai or whatever. Yeah, you know, that's what I think too, Gary. I think it's like a fighting. That's what you named your daughter. You named your daughter after that video game, didn't you? Terra? No. There's other reasons. We'll talk about them later. Okay, so it was because of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, it just spelled it wrong. Terra, Terra, Terra. Yeah, I knew we were going with that. Okay, so those were our thoughts on the those four topics. Again, if you're not sure what we were talking about, the Alien Covenant trailer, the third trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That's confusing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Empire's End of Aftermath, and, of course, the Lucasfilm trademark for Star Wars Rival. We'd love to hear from you. Head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. Hopefully it's working. <laughs> and let us know what you think, and tell us what you have to say about that. Click on that section to contact us. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Uh, and with that in mind, we're going to take a break here in a moment. We're going to watch Star Wars Rebels. We'll be back with you to talk about the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. Look, what's that ahead? Are those asteroids? No, they're commercials. We'll be right back. Everyone knows what identity theft is, right? Well, maybe not. Learn more by listening at scammercast.com. Your cell phone currently costs hundreds of dollars. Are you satisfied with having just a plain black brick in your hand? Of course you're not. Be sure to check out the newest, hottest details, accessories, and add-ons you can have for your cell phone at decalgirl.com. With tens of thousands of overlays, stickers, doodads, and accoutrements, you'll find what you need right now for your cell phone or device at decalgirl.com. Are you a blogger? Always wanted to be one? Are you a business that wants to add a blog to their website? 
Are you an existing blogger who's looking for more traffic? Then check out bloggersbug.com for the perfect solution to your blog creation needs. Access bloggersbug.com now and get bit by the blogger's bug. How? Check out bloggersbug.com for the perfect solution to your blog creation needs. Get bit by the blogger's bug. Bloggersbug.com. Get bit by the blogger's bug. Thank you for your patience during our galactic promotions. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Hey folks, welcome back to this episode of the Galaxy Cast as we discuss the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. This one was titled Through Imperial Eyes. The Council Speaks. Now, I gotta be honest, I was actually concerned at the beginning of the episode that the entire episode was gonna be like the first two minutes. Where we were gonna be looking at the entire episode through Callus's eyes. <laughs> I mean, it was titled Through Imperial Eyes. I actually like that, though. It was cool. I just don't know if I'd want a whole episode. They've been, they've been doing that way. creative starts to each episode. Have you noticed that? The whole shadow play in the one episode where they were telling the history of Mandalore, the. Through this one right. starting off with a first person view. And this episode was originally supposed to be that way. Oh, really? Oh, the yes. whole episode? Yes. That would have been too much. Uh, yeah, that, that, a little too weird. <laughs> that's what Dave Filoni said. <laughs> well, what, what was the what was the movie recently that was like that? It was all third person shooter style. Uh, hardcore Henry. That's right, Hardcore Henry. I, I, yeah, I no, don't Hardcore Henry me. That's that's. <laughs> nah. That sounds really bad. I know, right? But uh, yeah, I would not have been happy with an episode mm. that was like that. <laughs> it does sound bad, I guess. So it was an interesting episode. I mean, there's a lot going on here. And Gary, you caught a lot of things. This is your second time watching it, I'm assuming. Yes, yep. So you caught a lot of things that I did not, would not have caught on a first viewing. That again, background kind of things that were kind of cool. So we'll get into those. But let's let's just talk generally about what happened in the episode. We have this idea that Thrawn has now figured out that Fulcrum exists. How do you think he figured that out? We don't really get into that, do we? They've, they've well, detect. Yeah. They mentioned they've detected the broadcasts. Yeah, they, they, they've he, intercepted he, them. Yeah, Ezra they even says that uh, they think the Empire has detected your last transmission. So, so he's heard the name. He's heard. He has. But the they didn't say how. You know what I mean? No. Just that they somehow intercepted the last recording. Didn't they hint at it in another episode somewhere along the way that that maybe Fulcrum's recording got <clears throat> caught? I, I don't remember. I them. can't remember exactly. I thought there was something that somewhere along the way where they hinted at it. Well, pr- probably the one where the probe droid gets yeah, back that, and blew right. yeah. the thing up. That's what I'm thinking too. That they they caught the message the probe droid. All right. Yeah. So you know it's interesting that now we're in this angst of like trying to well, and it's interesting too that the the goal ultimately for the entire episode was to get Callus off the ship and to get him back to the rebels. Yes. They he's been found out. They're getting close to him. We got to rescue him. Right. And and the assumption is that he can't continue on the way he is because he's basically been found out and they they've got to get him back. Which I have mixed feelings about where they tried to go with that storyline because that that worked and it didn't work. And, and even towards the end of the story, I think they wrestled with how do we end this in a way that worked but didn't work, you know, and it, it just a little convoluted. I, I think it would have been better if they had just found out and arrested Fulcrum, and then, and then what do the Rebels do? Do they break him out? Do they, you know what I mean? Do well, they... I don't think they could do that because clearly there's going to be a tie-in with the next episodes with them using him, so... Yeah, I'm almost wondering if Fulcrum's going to end up being a Fulcrum point... <clears throat> 
Yeah. Uh, well, how did how did uh, together? How did in A New Hope they learn the location of the Rebel secret base? Leia told them. Yeah. Did she? Well, the did she give them up? I don't think she. The she said Dantooine. The assumption is Leia told them. Dantooine, yeah. <clears throat> but that's not their rebel base. She, she misleads them. Well, an old one. So I'm yeah, wondering. The question is, how did they know that it was on? Was the Masasi Temple there? Oh, on, yeah, you have them for? Yeah, but the uh, tracker on the Millennium Falcon. Oh, that's right. He's right. Yeah, that's right. They, they, track, the him, track, they track him back. Yep, yep. Yeah. I was thinking maybe somehow they'd tie this into that, and he. I know would what you're the, saying. Yeah, and he'd be the person to tell him. Yeah. It'd be nice. It'd be a little cool. too clean, but so you know, it was an interesting episode. We we saw a lot of our characters. Now we're missing Zeb throughout this entire episode. We, we don't have Zeb, and we don't have uh, Hera. Hera or Sabine or Sabine. But we had but a pretty heavy Sabine. We're pretty period, sure so. that Sabine's gone. Though. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm assuming Sabine's not coming back. Uh, yeah. I don't think we're gonna see Sabine again. At least that's my that's my assumption. Now, on the flip side of that, we had some awesome cameos in this episode. We had the cameo of Yularen coming back, mm-hmm. interestingly voiced by Tom Kane, the guy who did Yoda from The Clone Wars, if you didn't know that. Uh, we had Rex back. We brought AP5 back. We brought Commit Governor Price back. Uh, we had Lieutenant List. Was List ever around before this point? Yeah. I think he was, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so there, there we definitely brought some people back, uh, particularly the Princess Leia episode. Yeah, he was the oh, one. Oh, that's right. He, he was got the in one trouble. That, yep, got in trouble for that. Yeah, Darken called, called him in the office. Yep, and, and we also him. we also had Con- Admiral Constantine show up in this episode, which we haven't seen him since season one, I think, of Rebels, oh, yeah. right? Something like that. He's now he was the one I think was on Lothal initially, yeah. right? When when we first started. So I mean, it's kind of interesting to have all these cameos <clears> and these people <throat> coming back and and showing back up. What did you guys think of this idea they had to go rescue Callus? Was that, you know, was that a good storyline, this idea that we had to go rescue him to get him out of there in case he was found out as Fulcrum? Or was that just a pivot point? I didn't mind it. Too convenient? <clears throat> I, I, I think they're trying to, to save his butt, but he doesn't want to save He doesn't him. want to be saved, you know right. what I think? He doesn't, <clears throat> he doesn't feel that he's in any danger. That's the problem. Yeah. Do you think he's playing the role of the double agent, though? I don't think so because who who is he answering to if Thrawn doesn't know? Well, he could be answering directly to an emperor's hand. Yeah, and I'm, therefore nobody would know because it's an intelligence agent, and nobody would be in the. It'd be a nice twist at the end of the series. I think it'd be cool. That he's like he he changed it in Thrawn's recording, but he knows where the rebel base is now, and he sends the people after them. And that's that. what I'm saying. It'd be it's, interesting, but I like Callus now to a point where I don't want to see him turn back to bad again. Instead of an emperor's hand, uh, either Tarkin or Vader himself. <clears throat> that would work for me, actually. Tarkin would be cool, right. actually. And it would give him that, that strength and power that we talk about a lot in A New Hope. You know, of him being that uh, uh, dastardly and devious, yeah, I guess. Ruthless. And all that. Ruthless, yeah. Maybe it's uh, another character cool. we haven't seen who's not as powerful as, say, Amara Jade or something. But he's still working for the Emperor, and it's the Emperor's foot. <laughs> the young Jedi killer Dillion. Dillion is the Emperor's foot. <laughs> yes! He's actually the Emperor's stinky toe. That's what it is. <laughs> they, they can sense the sh- shatter points. Oh, good night. We, we got go. it all covered now. There, yeah, we talked about shatter points earlier. No more shatter points. So, I mean, you know, it is an interesting thing to think about. The Callus could potentially be a double agent. He could be working both sides here. 
to get information from the and, rebels. Well, Ezra even to turn wonders around and sell them out. And, and uh, Ezra, yeah, well, Ezra wonders that out loud. Yeah. He says to him in the the, the prison, "How do I know you're not going to just turn on us again or whatever?" He, uh, yeah, he brings it up several times. I mean, and, and it is a valid point that he could be playing both sides of the coin here, and that that's an interesting one. So, what do you guys also think about this idea that they send Ezra in, they make him look like a bounty hunter? He's not really. We all know that. Callus figures it out, you know. Uh, in order to f- to rescue Callus, we also send the two droids in. Mm-hmm. The and- rescue plan was actually pretty simple to begin with. Right. Ezra arrives, gets captured. The two droids go off. They quickly download the the access codes. So their ship could come in and land, and they just quick exit. They're out. They fly away. They just—it was a quick pickup, and it wasn't super complicated until Thrawn shows up. Right. In as they've now made canon, the Chimera. Yeah, the Chimera now, is now. They announce his, his ship, and they—he asks to see the prisoner. So now all of the high command and the prisoner all have to be taken to his ship, and everything goes out the window. Yeah. What, what did you guys think of the Chimera? I mean, I thought the Chimera was not just a regular Super Star Destroyer. Am I wrong, Gary? I thought it, it was It didn't even actually, look like a Super Star Destroyer. It just looked right. like a regular yeah, Star Destroyer. I thought it was a Super Star I thought it was, first off, I thought it was a Super Star Destroyer, and I thought it was a Super Star Destroyer that was, like, uh, teethed up to the max, from right. my understanding. Like, even better than Vader's in the long run, at least as far as defenses. And this one was just a regular Star Destroyer. I was like, kind of like, eh, you know, I don't mind the mention of the Chimera, but man, my head. You it, wanted something bigger. Yeah, I was I was picturing the Chimera I know, which is this huge, you know, maxed out Super Star Destroyer that nobody could beat. You know, I, I don't know. That part, I'm not saying it's disappointing to have it, at least it's back in canon, but now it's just a regular Star Destroyer instead of the ship we knew. Uh, but again, hey, you know, hey, Zon series gone doesn't exist anymore. I'd love to hear read his new book. I can't wait to read Thrawn and see yeah. if he retells the tale from a different point of view. Maybe I, that's a possibility from a certain point of view. Thrawn's. Let's talk about Thrawn's room because I mean, it, it was full of Easter eggs all over the place. I mean, it, it had stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it I did catch, you know, as we were watching. Some of it Gary caught. And we rewound and watched and paused and looked. So uh, let's talk about some of the things. First off, I didn't realize, Gary, and you pointed out the, the hallway leading into Thrawn's room had literally the Holy Grail yep. <laughs> in the hallway, which yes. was kind of a nice homage to Indiana Jones. Since and the Last Crusade. Yeah, and since that's all you know connected to Disney and all that, it, why not at this point? R2-D2 and C-3PO was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. So, so on top of that, uh, we also see in Thrawn's room some interesting things. Gary, give them your ideas about what was behind Thrawn's desk. I thought that was kind of well, interesting. Well, there, there were two lizards in the back. Two sculptures of lizards, I guess you could call them. And I think they might be Esau Mari from the... Heir from the, the original Heir to the Empire right. series. Now, I for completely those, think they were. For those who don't know what the Salamari are, uh, it, and everybody argues about how do you say it, why Salamari, Yusalamari, I've always said I've always said Yusalamari. Some people say Yisalamari. Yeah, I've I've always said Yisalamari, kind of like Gary does. Or or when I first read it, Weiss uh, Salami. <laughs> Weiss Salami. salami. Yeah. They're supposed to be creatures that negate the force. The force. They really don't explain how it happens, right? They just know that they kind of negate the field the force creates that they, gives Jedi their power. It, it's like they feed upon it. Right. Yeah, they, like, suck your power away from you. It's interesting to propose that those are those creatures, and if they are, suddenly we might have a thing 
that implies that the force is not infinitely powerful, which I like that idea. That and that's why actually why I like the Thrawn series. Because, you know, Jedi's were always kind of these almost godlike creatures that could do anything, convince anyone of anything. And to have a creature that could actually negate that and take their power away, that was kind of cool. In the books, at least. So let's let's see if that plays out in in the show. Right. Well, of course, we don't know. <laughs> this could be the end of the show, and maybe it's not going to play out anywhere. Yeah. So, you know, it was an interesting thing to think about. You all, We also caught in that room several things. There was a clone helmet. Yeah, General uh, yeah, General Grease. Grease helmet. helmet, the green one, yep, uh, specifically. The one that Yoda chopped off. Correct. So that, that, you know, it's interesting that Thrawn has that particular helmet. I thought it was interesting that in that same room, you pointed out that behind the one sculpture, there was a head of one of the aliens we saw in, in Rogue uh, One. No. Or no, The Force Awakens, Force sorry. Awakens, right. One of the pilots from yeah, The Force one, Awakens. One of the X-Wing pilots. Yep. Um, did you catch any others, Gary? Am I missing any there? I, I think I'm catching all of them. I I think you got them all. I mean, we we had Hera's you know artwork yep. again. We had Sabine's artwork again, which which was you know not a surprise. Oh, uh, there was also the uh, Temple Guard helmet to the oh yeah to yeah head. there was on, this one on the desk. Yep, there was Temple Guard helmet and on the shoulder bells of the assassin droids. It looks like uh, Grievous's face on them too. So. Right, and I'm wondering if that was maybe one of Grievous's droids he built, and they just took them. You know what I mean? And that's, but then you that's see, you see that the officers have that same emblem and everything else. So I think it's something more Thrawn. Yeah, has. maybe it's Thrawn's um, units right. logo. Who knows? I mean, it's a possibility. It was just some cool stuff in the backgrounds of this episode. If you really paid attention to what was going on, so what did you guys think of Thrawn in this episode? Did he? play the part well. I mean, he was definitely dastardly and devious throughout the entire thing. Do you think he played it out well? I mean, this idea that he was looking for Fulcrum, and kind of, he set up Fulcrum and then figured out who Fulcrum is because he set him up. Do you think he suspected it was Callus all along? Do you think Thrawn knew? <clears throat> I think he had suspicion, because even when, uh, at one point the meeting's called, and there's only like the four or five people in the room, yeah. he even says I think that fulcrum was in the meeting you know was yeah. like in there so he he had narrowed it down quite far so i think he suspected he suspected all of them whether or not he suspected callus more i don't know but he suspected him but the thing i like about this episode of Thrawn is they showed him that he's not just a uh a guy that's behind everybody he can actually fight him his, his way out of a wet paper bag. Oh yeah, the fact that he could fight the droids and right. all that. Yeah. yeah, that was some nice fighting work, and it it made him seem. I mean, he's blocking robot punches with his arms, and right. he made him seem like a tough guy. Which is one thing you haven't really seen about like Tarkin or any other any other major. Yeah, so players. now now we're seeing an admiral that's not only a, a mental threat but a physical threat right. as well. I get what you're saying. He's kind of like a best of both worlds admiral that maybe we haven't seen out of the others. Right. I mean, let's face it, Yularen's old. Yep. Tarkin's fairly old at this point, and a lot of the admirals we've seen in Star Wars have been on the older side of things. And right. that's, you know, and, and if they were East Elmaria was behind his desk and all that, yeah, maybe that's why the Emperor gets rid of them too. And it, yeah, it's, it a might threat, be. it's a threat. He's to a them. threat to the dark side because I mean, the Salamari work on both <clears throat> light side users and dark side users. Yeah. Uh, because he actually used him to control Joris Saibaut, which yeah. was the... Was he a clone of the he Emperor? He was a clone. No, he was a no, clone of an old Jedi. Oh, right. clone of a Jedi. That's right. That had Sorry. gone mad. That had gone mad, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I loved Joris, but at the same time, I always loved the fact that Admiral Thrawn had used the 
Well, he manipulated the, the, the him in order to be able to get him to get do everything he wanted using the Salamari, which was kind of cool. What did you guys think about the ending of this episode? This idea that I saw it coming, but it's still I actually the tension in this episode actually got me. Yeah, I mean, I was into it. In I knew you know the, none of the rebels were going to get hurt. I knew they'd probably you know everyone would probably escape. I didn't know if Callus would make it out or not, but I at the same point. I felt that tension of, oh, you know, someone's coming. How are they going to get out of this? How are they going to trick them? How are they going re- to blame it on somebody else? How are the mechanizations of the whole scheme going to play out? And I, I, I thought it was done pretty well in terms of the pacing and the tension and stuff like that. And the ending was, I was worried that as soon as Callus said he was going to stay, I'm like, he's found out. He's, he's, he's done for. Yeah, I thought they were just going to kill him right then and there. I thought they'd just take him into captivity and be like that's it we're done with this we're we're taking care of it <clears throat> so it was interesting that that thrawn let him go but i loved his logic behind it too and it makes sense he's more valuable to them as fulcrum than he is ever as well i don't as, think thrawn a hundred percent knew that it was callous until he until he had the helmet in his possession right i think he was like percentaging it as to was it price was it really the one guy who got dragged away who seemed pretty much like a fool? So I yeah, don't think he list. gave him much of a chance. List. Or I think he thought it could have been all three. And right. seeing the helmet and making the connection with, well, that was Ezra. And then why was it not reported? Do you guys ever connected. get the impression that Price was ever on his list of, of potential suspects? Like, I almost thought he wrote... He said suspect everyone. He did. But I almost felt like he wrote Price off pretty quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe. Like, well... I think he might have suspected her just like maybe like one percent. You know, there's always that chance. Yeah. But she has proven herself numerous times for him, so it's I guess it's true. You know, ultimately there's been a couple times where she's proven that she's she's worthy of the trust that, right. that he needs to have. And here's the other interesting thing. Do you guys think Yularen figured it out as soon as Thrawn did? Like, Yularen kinda acted surprised at the end, but I'm sitting there going you shouldn't be surprised considering what you observed on the deck as they were escaping. I thought yeah, Yularen actually he, already knew it. I thought he already knew, too, because it, it seemed pretty clear. I mean, he wasn't up close, so he didn't know why Price was fighting a stormtrooper, why uh, List shot Price, why... Right. You know, there was a, a number of things going on, and viewed from a distance, it would be confusing. But the moment he realized that that was the Rebels escaping, if he had seen Callus standing there and them just flying off and there being a conversation between them, I would think at that point he'd be like, and then yeah, finding out that's the rebels, him, yeah. he'd be like, well, he let him go, and yeah. then knowing. I, I don't think he saw all of that, though. So he just w- watched where Price fight. was fighting with, right. with the stormtroopers and all that. Because he did show up downstairs not long after, so he could have moved away during that final bit coming yeah. downstairs. coming down the stairs and grabbing so I, th- I think the I think the helmet was the clincher for everybody. Yeah. Once Thrawn put the pieces together. Did you like that idea that Thrawn was able to interpret the helmet and figure out See, now to me, that was quintessential Thrawn. Yeah, That's, it ties into his love of the art, and he, rec- yeah. he can recognize an artist by their strokes, by their, by their painting style. Which I like. That's one of the cool characteristics of Thrawn is the ability for him to be able to pick up on people and know who they are through their art. The Council Review. Okay, so I guess we could take a minute. We all kind of have hinted at where we're at with this episode. Let's let's take a minute and, and rate this one. So a zero is a don't bother, ten being a must-see. Anybody want to volunteer to go first on this one? I'll go first. Go ahead, Gary. You both are sitting down. Yeah, I am. I'm giving it an eight. Wow, wow. nice. Okay. I liked everything with the, the uh, Thrawn fighting with the droids. 
showing how dangerous he actually is in, mm-hmm. in combat. Not only hand-to-hand combat, but also with the blasters and stuff. Yep. Um, all the Easter eggs that were in his uh, office. office there. This, even the Star Tour shuttle. Yeah, that was yeah. a nice touch. We didn't mention that. Yeah, we did. For those who's listening, when, when Ezra is escaping Lothal to pretend to be a... And purposely get caught pretending to be a bounty hunter. hunter, he's riding in a shuttle that is from the Star Tours from right, Disney. It is the shuttle from Star yeah. Tours. Yeah. To me, it was a good episode. Even even with where uh, Kalos was... Swapping out cold cylinders and everything. You know, it's, yeah. It's, it was pretty ingenious, I thought. Okay. Eric, what would you rate this one in? I'm also going to give it a solid eight. Okay. Um, to me, the writing in this episode was definitely a game, and this is why. They had a lot of complex twists, turns, and I used the term before, mechanizations, but basically the overall way everything would function. They had to convey every, all the twists and turns of who was who, how information was being conveyed, picked up, Codes that couldn't be retrieved in some places could be in others. Right. Who was suspecting who at the time? How Callus played list to follow uh, the governor there. What's her name? Um, Price. Price. And and to, to play him while doing something else and to hide the planet and the mistrust between them. And then, you know, uh, blaming it all on list. But then Price kind of figuring some stuff out and attacking the rebels and then... I mean, there was there was literally a lot of information. This was an information overload episode. A lot happened, almost like an Agatha Christie book. A lot of twists, turns, and stuff like that. But it was never hard to follow. You knew what was going on. You knew where they were. You knew what information was being conveyed. You knew who thought what and suspected what. And the nice touch at the end of Thrawn putting the pieces together because the helmet got left behind, making the final connection. I just think they did a really good job of conveying what on paper probably seemed like a ridiculously complex episode in terms of keeping it all straight. It, it flowed really smoothly, and never once was I like, wait, what? Who's, who's, why are they going in this room? Who's doing this? What's going on there? It all flowed so smoothly for such a complex episode and ended with a nice gut punch of Callus is there. I, like I said, I kind of grown to like him, and now he's... I mean, he's basically Thrawn's puppet, and they could de- destroy him at any point they want, and they could use him to, to damage things. And so it had that kind of dark ending. Yeah. I thought it was just a really well-written episode. So to me, the, the actual writing of it and the ideas behind it are excellently put together. And we always say, how important is it to overall arc? Do you, right. If you didn't see this episode, how lost would you be later? I think you'd be very lost because a lot happened in this episode in terms of importance. Well, a lot this. of information was gained and handed out throughout yes. this episode, so too. So it's important to see this episode so you know where all these characters are going forward. This is not going to be a forgettable, you know, no. like we said, a droid bomb episode or whatever that's not right. important. This was a, a hinge point. Yeah, so they, they, they packed a lot of information in this episode without rushing everything. Yeah, it, it just it amazed me how smoothly it all flowed. So I have to give it a solid eight. I'm going to give it a 7. I know I'm a little lower than you guys. There's a couple things I didn't particularly like about this episode. And they may be nitpicky, but they are things that bothered me. First off, it seemed really easy for the droids to be able to access control panels everywhere on the ship. Just a little too easy. You know, they yeah. go right into Thrawn's room and hook right into it. <clears throat> well, look, you, at, look, at Va- or look at R2. Everywhere oh, he goes. Well, I've always boom. had that problem, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you would think even with our modern technology, there'd be encryptions or something in there. or Which... To answer, to answer your question on that, remember the, the bunker on Endor. Oh, I know. You get zapped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. Well, they, know, they, it, took, it took that long all the way to the Return of the Jedi to figure I out that. Well, he got shot. 
Yeah, he got shot while he yeah, was. Yeah, well, he, he also plugged into the one. Oh, he did get zapped. He got yeah, zapped. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, you know, and well, here's the other thing. He had with him, Chopper had the other droid with him, who's an Imperial droid. He well, that's what I'm saying. So there enough, was, there was help there. There was potential that he could have played a role, and yet I felt like he was almost a... He did the gel- get delegated to like guard duty. Yeah, he was kind of a tertiary character where he could have actually played a more major role as any Imperial droid. Uh, so I, I wanted more. It was a great line at the beginning, though, when he got himself to be brought along. He knew he had to be there, or else right. they were going to be trapped. If the droids didn't go, there was no getting off Thrawn's ship. Right. And he had that excellent moment of it's protocol for us to, you know, record the stealing. We recorded the stealing of the ship, and it's protocol for us to give right to go that give information. testimony. Yeah, and he's like, okay, come with us. And I thought that was a great moment. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a cool. And moment. The other moment with him was when uh, he said that Green Arrow Thrawn's coming to his. <laughs> yeah, they'll stop him. Uh, I don't think I could do that because yeah. he's at the door. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, I do I like that, that droid. Kind of I like that droid's voice. It really, I really. And he's do. got some humor in him at times, you know, that does make you laugh a little bit. The other thing I thought that that could have been handled better, the way we handled Kanan and Rex. bringing on Rex, just seemed a little clunky. You know, okay, so they don't have codes, so quick, let's go get some codes. Right. And if they were codes that they well, really they needed got from Thrawn's computer, wouldn't they have been cleared pretty easily? I mean, like... They needed the codes anyway to get on even the first Star Destroyer they were on. The yep. codes were always part of the plan, but the problem was when they got brought to Thrawn's ship, they needed new codes. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So it was like, oh boy, this is going to be harder, too, because this is different. And But so they got new codes. They that's did. the part that I'm confused about. Well, I actually well they, had to go, they had to I go to Thrawn's in. office to do it. Right, but they got the codes, they transmitted them, but then they didn't work. Price knew it was them anyway, and it just seemed a little <laughs> no, clunky. No, no, no. what's-his-name was, was on the bridge at the time. Uh, Yularen? Yeah, Yularen was right there on the bridge at the time when it was landing. I think he got suspicious. Well, okay. no, well when, it, when, it, when the ship came in... They said yes. that you got your permission to land and all that. That's when you learned was like, we don't have any other sh- shuttles coming. And all he that. might have just okay. seen a unique moment just and got the suspicious. Idea, okay. He's the one who said, send Price but you down. You can see where that is kind of clunky. It is. It was a little it clunky to me. Well, you also got to remember, too, he's the FBI. Uh, oh, I know. He's the internal, uh, he's the CIA yeah. of the situation. I get it. I totally so, get it. So he knows what the comings and goings of, yeah. the, of shuttles and stuff. So. Uh, you know, the only other thing I could have said would have made this episode at least a little bit better. Again, you have a Jedi with you. And we did get some mind tricks and stuff like that. I like the mind trick didn't work on Price. Right. Was it just he didn't get it out in time? Or? I, th- I think she's got a strong mind. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because remember, it only works on the weak-minded, yeah. right? So I'm 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 agreeing with, with Gary on that one. I kind of assumed yeah. that, too. <laughs> You're, you'll let, let us go or whatever and shoot him. Yeah, yeah, it was real quick. <laughs> yeah, it was really them. quick. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I, I did I did like that, uh, but I, I wish you know you've got two Jedi here, and I just kind of felt like we copped out on that. You know, they I mean? never ignited a lightsaber. They never ignited a lightsaber. They could have been so much a little bit more than what they were. And I get maybe they weren't trying to reveal themselves as Jedi, but the the mind trick worked. But there were some other things they could have done. Where's the force? Well, here's the other the, thing. You know, with Callus staying behind, it was a smart thing. They didn't reveal who they were because then right. it's very then clear. it becomes really clear. Who, so it's it's kind of uh, like maybe. that's a smart thing to do is keep our identity secret, right. but. They had no way. Of, they thought Callus was going with them. So but that, that that's my main reasons for not giving it an eight or yeah. nine. That you know, and, and they're and, good ones. Like I said, they're just clunk, little clunky yeah. things that could have made well, it. Well, just a little remember bit though, Ezra's undercover is a bounty hunter. He right. maybe, maybe didn't have his lightsaber. 
This is I true. don't think he did. Right. And yeah. So therefore, you'd have to rely on his force powers, and we all know he's not. He did though. Consistent. He, that's how he got into Thrones office, which you right. liked. Right. He did right. actually but use. Yeah. But like I said, he's not consistent with his force powers. Right. This so. is true. So you know, you unless he gets mad and right. brings up red-eyed demons from a pit. <laughs> right. And Kanan. Never had a chance to pull his lightsaber because he got shot. He did, get, he did get stunned immediately. He <laughs> happened to be the one that got stunned first. Right, that was true, yep. yep. You know, when you're doing the mind, Jedi mind trick, it didn't work on her because he's got a strong mind and, or a strong what, will. The, only other, the, the <laughs> one thing I was saying, like, okay, so for example, Ezra's stuck in Thrawn's office, okay? And Thrawn's, like, walking around the room. And, and this is where I was like, you know, you could have used, like, one of those Jedi, like, what's going on over there and walk right. out the room. You're like, get him to look some one direction so you and Chopper can get well, out Well, here's the, the other, other thing. And this is a big, this is kind of a big moment. Thrawn shows up at his office. The stormtrooper outside the door says, list is in there. Right. They open the door, there's no one in there. And there's no list. Where's the first place you're going to look? Like, oh, we have this giant art thing. Is there anyone yeah. behind it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I would think list went behind that. Is yeah. he behind? I, you'd I, think that. I want to look behind that. I'd look underneath the desk. I'd look under the desk first, but you'd think they'd check <laughs> yeah. the room. Yeah. They don't. He just goes over and turns on his stuff. Yep. So it's turns like on the map of all turns things, on the map yeah. of all things. Well, so I'm to, like to see if anything was was changed, changed. or altered. Yeah. And I think he knows now where the plant was. I think he knows. He it's, it's missing. I think he memorized all the ones exactly. that were there. And as soon oh, as he I'm looked sure at it, he he's like, "Okay, that one's different." So that's I'm even it. wondering if like all the artwork in the room, like there's one piece of artwork from every one of those planets. Do you get what I'm saying? And so now, if they changed it, he's gonna go, "Well, the you know that artwork doesn't match with that planet." Now I know which planet. He very you know, easily like, could. Yeah, could very much line up later on, which would be I, interesting. I, I'm thinking more of the lines, all the artwork that's in there has to do with the, the rebels. Oh, themselves. It does yeah. seem to, yeah, but... So... But I understand your... Yeah, I understand those clunky points. So... But you do have to admit, it's a it's a, a feat to do such an oh, information yeah. download episode and only have Correct. a few clunky points. Well, and to be, to be honest, not a lot of action in this episode. Normally right. when there's not a lot of action, I... I'm like five or below because, like, it, to me, when there's not a lot of action going on, I get really bored with it really quick. And this one actually was intellectually challenging. Yes. It was there was enough going on there that I was like, all right, storyline. You can actually do a Rebels episode with a storyline. Mm-hmm. So that part I was okay with. And, so. and the way I watch TV and movies, I picked all this stuff in the background. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this was was this your second time watching it? Yeah, but I watched I watched it the first time. I picked everything. I oh, picked did all you? Okay. Yeah. First time. Yep. We need to hear from you. So, those were our thoughts about Star Wars Rebels through Imperial Eyes. We'd love to hear what you have to say, so head on over to our website, galaxycast.com. Click on our answers, contact us. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this episode of Star Wars Rebels and about any episodes of Star Wars Rebels. And heck, just contact us, because we love to talk to people. So, uh, with that, we would love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. And as we like to always say here in the Star Production Studios, May the, May the Force be with those who listen. Another Galaxy Cast transmission draws to a close, Brave Traveler. Thank you for your participation. Remember, today's science fiction is tomorrow's science fact. Be sure to share your thoughts about this episode by visiting our fan portal at galaxycast.com. There you can interact with us via Facebook and much, much more. Prepare for the next valiant episode of GalaxyCast soon, and always remember, may the Force be with those who listen.